1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: KYW Original Podcasts. Merrill Reese, it is the Wednesday of week eight, the Wednesday of Dallas week. Eagles, Cowboys, Sunday night at the Link. The Birds are going to be back at practice today. Uh, there's some players that we should keep an eye on to see what their statuses are throughout the week. What are you going to be looking at today as the Eagles return to the field?
1: Pretty much the same thing as uh, Doug Peterson will meet with the media today at, at about 11.30, and he'll go over who's back today, and, and we'll see as the week goes on. I am hopeful Uh, I'd love to see Jalen Rager, the number one draft choice, back. I mean, there are no guarantees, but it's about that time he is eligible to come back right now. And I I think he can make a difference, particularly with Deshaun Jackson uh, pretty much gone for the rest of the season.
0: Well, Deshaun has that reported ankle injury. Doug Peterson called it a lower body injury. Yesterday, special teams coordinator Dave Phipp gave a little bit of insight detail into that moment late in the fourth quarter last Thursday against the Giants when Deshaun returned that punt. He had not been returning punts. And, and Phipp revealed that Deshaun volunteered to, to, to take the punt in that situation and try to help out the team. And of course, it unfortunately led to Deshaun's injury. What's your reaction to that?
1: Well, I'm not surprised because that is one of the things that Deshaun is best at. I mean, his quickness, I still go back to December 19th, 2010, with one of the great memories of of the last number of decades where Deshaun won the game against the Giants with a final punt return. When he gets into space, he is awfully tough to turn away or force out to the sidelines. He can go right up the middle of a field and cut and juke and everything else, and leave bodies in his wake so he knew that with the Eagles in desperation time that was somewhere where he could really make a difference so it doesn't surprise me that he wanted his opportunity
0: and uh, and it's a shame to see him get injured on that play because he got hit twice on that particular play uh, and he had just come back from injury Merrill yesterday the Cowboys made some news and I'm I'm not surprised I'm kind of surprised because every team is in the division. Every team has a chance in the, in the NFC East right now. The Cowboys are right behind the Eagles. But they traded one of their defensive linemen yesterday, Everson Griffin, to the Lions for a draft pick. Uh, what's, what's your thought on, what are your thoughts on that news?
1: Well, you're asking with each team at this point, are they going to be in the seller's market or the buyer's market? And getting rid of him tells you that they are definitely in the seller's market. They're going to get what they can so that they can load up next year on draft picks.
0: Well does that surprise you though because they they still have a chance to make the playoffs and if you get in the playoffs you just you, you never know.
1: I think they realize that their chances without Zach Prescott are very very slim.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Merrill. It's Wednesday, uh, and on Wednesdays we always go back and look at old matchups. But you mentioned you just mentioned an old matchup between the Eagles and Giants. And on Wednesday we go back and we look at old matchups between the Eagles' upcoming opponent. Uh, this is going to be the 123rd meeting between the Eagles and Cowboys. Dallas leads the series 69-53. Uh, the Eagles have lost four out of five, but before that they they won uh, five out of eight against the Cowboys so I'm going to give you my top five and there's obviously many 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 more than five and there's some honorable mention and I'll, and I'll get your thoughts on it uh, this is my number five I was in the seats for this game I, rem- I remember it distinctively because it had more meaning to it than just uh, an Eagles Cowboys matchup which has a lot of meaning it was October 8th 2006 the return of Terrell Owens to Lincoln Financial Field and a Cowboys uniform and there was a Big play at the end that defined the game. Drew Bledsoe was trying to, to get the Cowboys back in it. Yep. They, were, they were in Eagles territory, and Leto Shepard picked it off and ran the house. What do you remember about that play?
1: Well, I remember that uh, very, very clearly, and I can remember that as he headed into the end zone, 70,000 people started chanting, Leto! You know, the whole Leto song. <laughs> right. and, um, I, I can remember that. And I can remember when Terrell Owens came out to warm up Early in the game, there was uh, before the game began, uh, there was there was booing. There was a lot of booing. There were some some cheers in there, but the predominant sound was that of the long, tough Philadelphia boo. Uh,
0: and the Eagles ended up winning that game, thirty-eight to twenty-four. Number four, Merrill, uh, September third, two thousand. I think this game set off uh, put the Andy Reid era. In the, in the motion that it ended up going in and the direction that it ended up going in. I think it set the tone for the Andy Reid era. September, pickle juice game. Pickle juice game. Week one in Dallas, in Irving, uh, at September 3rd, 2000. Uh, the Eagles start the game off. Onside kick. Onside kick by David Akers. It's it's a million degrees there in in Irving, Texas, at uh, at at Cowboys Stadium and uh, Texas Stadium, and the Eagles won forty-one to fourteen. Deuce Daly had two hundred one two hundred one yards on the ground, sixty-one receiving. Um, And and Merrill, I'm just curious, how hot was it that day in Dallas?
1: Oh, it was stifling. It was really, really stifling. I mean, that's a, uh, it was the stadium with the hole in the top, but it really wasn't outdoor stadium. And uh, you could just, it it was suffocating. That's how hot it was. It, uh, it seemed, how are they going to play football in it? But they had that uh, Rick Burkholder, the Eagles trainer had that, that famous formula for pickle juice, which he (laughs) said was great for hydration and it worked
0: the pickle juice game. If something is called the pickle juice game, you know it has to have some sort of special meaning to it. Uh, Going back in time a little bit, number three on my list, uh, December 10th, 1995, the vet, the Eagles are facing the Cowboys. The Cowboys have uh, a fourth and one situation. They decide to go for it. The Eagles stop them, but the referees called the two-minute warning. And and then um, Barry Switzer, instead of electing to punt after it didn't work the first time, goes for it again. But what happened, Merrill?
1: They stopped them again. They yeah. stopped them again. It's Groundhog Day. They stopped them again. <laughs> I had seen the movie Groundhog Day the day before with my kids, where things keep repeating themselves <laughs> with the Bill Murray. And all yeah. I could yeah. think about was Stan Waters and I were talking about what they're going to come up with at this point. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're going to throw or uh, they're going to go play action and go to Jane Novacek. But instead, they gave it back to Emmett Smith and the Eagles threw up a brick wall and he bounced off and they stopped them again and went on to win that game.
0: Did you think, looking back on it, obviously it's hindsight at this point, but looking back, did you think that that was a wise decision by Barry Switzer to show that type of disrespect in a sense to the Eagles defense?
1: I didn't even think about it. I was gotcha. just I, I thought he was going to come up with a completely different play, and he—he he had so much confidence in in Emmitt Smith that he thought he could run through a wall. But even—even uh, even with a good offensive line, the Eagles' defense was just too stiff.
0: And they won the game twenty to seventeen. They ended up going to the playoffs that year and blew out the Detroit Lions at the Vet in the wild card round. Uh, number two. December 28th, 2008, week 17 at the link, Uh, the Eagles, it doesn't appear they're going to make the playoffs. I believe they were eight, six, and one, if my math serves me correct, and they needed a thousand things to happen for them to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a late game. It was one of those 420, late afternoon game. It was one of those 425 games, 405 games, and uh, everything that needed to happen, happened. Uh, the Raiders beat uh, John Gruden's Bucks. I think, um, I think the other one was like the Texans beating the Lions, or Bears or something like that. Whatever the other one was, it happened. So the Eagles, at kickoff, Merrill, they had a chance to make the playoffs and punch their ticket as a wildcard team if they beat the Cowboys. And they not only beat Tony Romo and the Cowboys, they dominated them 44-6. I had never seen a blowout like that. Uh, what, what are your recollections of that great day at the lake?
1: Well, my recollections really started the night before because Kathy Davis, who worked at NFL Films, uh, took my wife Cindy and I, along with Brad Sham and Babe Loffenberg, who were the right. Cowboys broadcasters, out to dinner at a small restaurant called Mia Sonio yes. in South Philadelphia. And we talked a little about the game, and Brad and Babe both said, I'll tell you what, if this Cowboys team goes down if they get behind, they are going to fold. I think this team has packed it in. They said that the night before, and I remembered that as the Eagles knocked off the six the, the list. Nolan and I, my son and I came to the link early for the one o'clock games. That was a four o'clock game, and they needed six things to happen, and the <laughs> last one happened after we got on the air, and we kind of picked it up on television and described the last couple of minutes, and then we knew all the Eagles had to do was win the game, and they came out like a house on fire, and the Cowboys did fold and pack their tents, and the Eagles won handily.
0: That's a great story. Uh, That's a great story that Brad Sham and Babe Laufenberg were alluding to that the night before. I didn't know that. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Merrill, number one, I, I think if I didn't make this number one, you'd be very upset with me. Number one, January 11th, 1981, the vet, the NFC Championship game between the Eagles and Cowboys. And... I'll, I'll let you take. I'll let you take it from there. What, what was the big defining play of that game?
1: Came early. Came very, very early. It was cold. It was really cold. And the Cowboys were the heavy favorites in that game. But unbeknownst to anybody, Dick Vermeil on Saturday night at the team meeting told this team that in 24 hours they were going to be NFC champions and heading for the Super Bowl. That he believed into them all week. Telling. Dick would stand up and and say, woe is me, to the writers. Oh, these are the great Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, we're just trying to stay on the field with them. But that night he told the players how much confidence he had in them. And they went out and they played the game. They had a great defensive stand early. And I still remember Wilbert Montgomery exploding off the left side in the first quarter, exploding off the left side, the blocks, Woody Peoples, and Jerry Sizemore over on the right side, and as Wilbur exploded through the hole, and I saw that number 31 disappear into the end zone, I knew and everyone in Philadelphia knew the Eagles were headed to Super Bowl fifteen. It, it, it's
0: one of the great moments in, in Philadelphia Eagles history. It was very early in the game, very, very early in the game. But like you said, Merrill, at that point, you knew there was no way the Eagles were going to lose, and they won 20-7 to seven to move on to Super Bowl fifteen. A few honorable mentions that I have here. Uh, it, going back to 2006, we talked about that Lido game. Later on in that season, Merrill, they had three consecutive NFC East games on the road. Later on in the season, with Jeff Garcia at quarterback, and the third one was Christmas Day in Dallas, and the Eagles won twenty-three to seven. And then afterwards, Jeff Garcia said, "Merry Christmas, Philadelphia," and it's a line that still still sits in uh, Eagles fans' minds all these years later. As the Eagles won the division with those, I, I- I've never seen anything like that since. I didn't see well, I- and family. I
1: remember something else. Uh, the Cowboys were down at the one-yard line and on fourth down. They gave the ball to. Marion Barber who plunged forward and Quentin Michael met him with equal force and stopped him outside the goal line.
0: That's right. There is a huge goal line stand in that game. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'd never seen anything like that before with three three consecutive road division games. And I don't think I've ever seen anything since. But the Eagles pulled it off and and they capped it off with that win against Dallas. Um, I, I forget who brought this up the other day. You were mentioned the other day about how the Cowboys You you think this is is probably the worst that they've been, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, since the late 80s before they got Troy Aikman. But in the early 90s, Merrill, uh, September 15th, 1991, they faced the Cowboys and beat them 24 to nothing. And speaking of Troy Aikman, do you remember how many times they sacked Troy Aikman in that 24-nothing victory?
1: Eleven times, yep. and I said on the air that if this were a boxing match, it would be stopped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's a great line. That's a great line. Another one of your great calls, Merrill. Uh, fast forwarding five years later, nineteen ninety-six, November third, and this actually you brought this up the other night when the Eagles. not tried to do this exact same thing, but did something very similar. Rodney McLeod recovered a fumble and then lateraled it. You mentioned this the other night. In in 1996, Troy Vincent intercepts, intercepts, I guess, Troy Aikman and then laterals it to James Willis and goes 90 yards up the field. It's one of your great, 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 great calls. Well,
1: actually, it was the exact opposite. It was James Willis Ah. intercepted (laughs) it in the corner of the end zone. And we were way up in the air at Texas Stadium. And as I I saw he was blocked out, but I knew the Eagles had intercepted because I saw the hands and I saw the green helmet. But I could not see the number. And as he went along the right sideline, I was biding my time. I said, it's intercepted. It's intercepted. The Eagles have the football. and coming out of the end zone. So now I look over to my spotter, who was then the Eagles PR director, Derek Boyko, and I knew that by that time he'd have the binoculars on the ball carrier and I'd have the number. Unfortunately, Joe McPeak, my longtime producer, who was usually very professional, was so excited that he had tackled Derek Boyko, (laughs) and the two of them were on the floor. I look up and I see number 23 and I say, it's intercepted by Troy Vincent. And he takes it all the way down and he runs in for the touchdown and I yell, the Eagles win, the Eagles win. Well, while we were away for a break, they replay the thing, and we see that it was James Willis who intercepted it. And at the exact moment that the, my head looked for the spotting board, he lateraled it to Troy Vincent. Well, Joe, Joe McPeak was, was ready to resign. He was so unhappy with himself, and Derek was apologizing. And I said, listen, these things happen. Just no more tackling in the booth." But But what a a phenomenal finish that was.
0: Oh, it really was. And and honestly, Meryl, I had never heard that story until you just told me. So I always view your your call, and it is a great call, as a tremendous call. But I I didn't realize there was so much commotion going on in the booth. As that play that's an X that's a that's, that's great. That's I'm glad I brought that up. I, I really am. And, and the last one, Meryl, that I have for you, and I'm going way back. I'm going back and forth in this honorable mention thing. Uh, November 12th, 1979, the Eagles had lost nine in a row to the Dallas Cowboys. They simply could not beat the Dallas Cowboys. And they're in they're in Texas. It might have been a primetime game. I don't know. If, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, it
1: was. It was a, a Monday night game. Uh, Eagles beat the Cowboys. Tony Franklin in that game, the kicker set the Eagles' kicking record with a 59-yarder. Ah. Ron Jaworski came out of the game with a they see, and though he'd be in concussion protocol today, but all they would say is that he got his bell rung. And then came John Walton, the backup quarterback, and threw a long pass to Charlie Smith. But uh, th- and then Jaworski came back and, and went deep to Harold Carmichael. But uh, I will never forget that game because afterwards uh, we walked through the airport and everybody was celebrating.
0: Oh, that's great. That's, that's, a, that's a tremendous story. That, 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 you know what? That, that makes me miss the fact that Eagles fans travel so well. And we really haven't had to, we, ha- we haven't been able to experience seeing Eagles fans do that this year because of the pandemic. But uh, no, that, 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 that is a great story back in 79. Meryl. it's always fun going back and looking at these games. And uh, we a couple of great stories that you brought up today that I didn't even realize happened. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the time as always. And we will chat again tomorrow morning. Thank you, Dave. Voice of the Eagles, Meryl Reese. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.